I'm Stephanie Cox, and this is Mobile Matters. Today, I'm joined by Spencer Burke at Braze. Spencer is the VP of Growth at Braze and has worked in mobile since 2011. Braze is a customer engagement platform that delivers messaging experiences across push, email, apps, and more for brands like Microsoft, Sephora, Lyft, and Disney. In this episode, Spencer and I talk a lot about the fact that mobile is no longer a channel and it's just how you really need to market to consumers today, why context and convenience is essential to the mobile experience, and the brands that are doing mobile exceptionally well and the ones that really need to step up their game. And make sure you stick around to the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways so that you can not only think about mobile differently, but implement it effectively. Welcome to the show, Spencer. So you've been doing mobile since 2011, so almost as long as I have. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got started in mobile? Yeah, it's kind of a funny but really simple story in a way. Before working in mobile, I'd uh, been living in London working as a management consultant. So, you know, kind of standard consulting gig. And in early 2011, a good friend of mine called me and he was super excited because he just moved to New York, they were starting this company, and mobile was the focus. And at that time, I hadn't had a ton of exposure to it, but I started to look into what was happening in the New York tech scene. Obviously, as a consumer, mobile had really impacted so much of our everyday experience. And I decided to, to take the risk, took the leap, moved out to New York, joined at the time Appboy, what is now Braze, and, and that was the start. So you've seen probably a lot of shifts in mobile marketing in your career. So can you tell me a little bit about what you think the biggest shift has been? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is now it's just marketing, right? When we got started, mobile was kind of this new thing. People were feeling it out. And a lot of the t- at the time, a lot of the folks that were doing mobile marketing or called themselves mobile marketers we're really focused on acquisition. And the interesting thing about this time period, which is so easy to take for granted now, is it was before Facebook really dominated mobile advertising. So the tactics were so much scrappier. These people were really quantitative, trying to figure out where to go get audiences, how to game the app store. And that was the, the early days of mobile marketing. I love that you mentioned that because I talk all the time with other people, even on the podcast, about how as marketers that have any experience in mobile, there's so many of us that have just been ingrained to think about app downloads as like the one metric we all should care about. And that is such an old, old metric to think about, especially in today's day and age where it's changed so much. So as you think about all the change that's happened... How do you think about brands that are using mobile effectively? Like who is, you know, the creme de la creme for you? Yeah, there, there's a lot of good examples of, of companies using mobile in different ways. But I, I think for, for me, I really like things that kind of shake things up that are, that are new that we haven't seen before. One of the promotion that Burger King ran, did you see what they did recently? I kind of have a girl crush on Burger King right now, <laughs> even though technically their mascot is, I guess, a male king. But they, I'm loving what they're doing on mobile. So talk to me a little bit more about what you love from them. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know how many times or how repeatable this campaign is. But what Burger King did was they, they used uh, the launch of, of a new app that they had. And in a really kind of clever way, 
use location marketing to give people one cent whoppers. All you had to do was drive over to McDonald's, open the app there, and it gave you access to this discount. So it went viral in this really fun way where you see people tweeting, posting pictures about themselves getting effectively ordering a Whopper, but sitting in a McDonald's parking lot or going to the drive-thru. And of course, the folks at McDonald's weren't too excited about it, but it got Burger King all of this press. And you know, how often are you hearing about a fast food company doing something really exciting in mobile? It's really almost never. And Burger King kind of just took this by storm and had so many people talking about it. You know, I think in terms of earned media, I'm, their team couldn't be happier. No, and that's one of the reasons why I'm like really fangirling over what they're doing right now is because it was such a really basic concept to what they did, right? They ran a promotion, but they did it tied to location. And then they totally kind of trolled McDonald's with it, which is what <laughs> makes it even sweeter. If you look at, I know some of the numbers that both McDonald's and Burger King had shared previously about their app downloads, you know, McDonald's was definitely... They'd put a ton of effort in 2018 on, you know, improving app downloads and made a tremendous effort. And Burger King was definitely behind the ball. But I think one of the numbers that I read was like in the first couple of days of this promotion, Burger King like drove over a million downloads, was like number one on iTunes and the app stores, which is just crazy to think about because how many of us think I'm going to go download a fast food app today? Yeah, that, that really struck me as well because you... In those rankings, you know, second place is YouTube, and then you have Facebook and some of the other popular games. And, and there's Burger King sitting right at the top of the App Store rankings. It, it really was a moment. And like I said, I'm not sure how, how many times you can repeat that or if something like that is, is too gimmicky for, for some brands to do. But for Burger King, which has this, you know, this history of, of using their mascot, this king character, and kind of having some fun sort of from the second place position in the fast food world was really able to capitalize on that. So uh, yeah, I think that hits on a bigger lesson, which is mobile can't be this separate thing that just exists that, you know, your CEO hired some consultants, they told you mobile is the future, go build an app, you throw something out into the app store, and then it exists as this completely fragmented experience. It really needs to be integrated in, into the brand into that larger message that you're trying to communicate to your customer. I think that's a really great point because I always tell people, and I'm kind of on this rant in 2019 specifically, that mobile isn't a channel. It's how you consume channels, right? Like we don't say desktop is a channel, right? Like mobile's not a channel. Like I consume apps and notifications and social and the web and everything on my mobile device. Yeah, and I think when we got started, we were... In 2011, we were sort of seeing the end of this kind of time period for social, right? Because 2008, sort of 2007, you saw everyone, every marketing team was flocking towards social. And you, it was your Facebook pages, the contests you're running on there. You remember if there's light gating to get people into your pages. And... Oh, back in the day. <laughs> yep. You know, you can remember this this time. And now, you know, you're not, it's not revolutionary to say you need someone managing your social media. But at that time, that was a totally new idea. And the same thing happened with mobile in 2011, 2012. And, and now it's, it's gone through that point of maturity where it's more integrated in, into these teams. 
Exactly. And everyone needs to be thinking kind of with a mobile first mentality, not just having this one person that's responsible. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you maybe have some horror stories from from those social days. Just just a little bit. So we talked about Burger King, but let's talk about some of the brands that you think are also doing mobile well. So is there anyone else that you kind of absolutely love what they're doing or think they're taking an interesting twist or spin on it? Yeah, there, there's an example I really love from from Postmates, but they sort of picked up on this huge wave of convenience-based apps that I, I think Uber in a lot of ways really pioneered. It's, you should be able to open an app and wherever you are, it should be dead simple to get a ride, to get some food, to, to get whatever you need. But they did a campaign uh, one Mother's Day that really sort of personally struck me because you know, in my family, we're, we're not big gift exchangers, but everyone loves kind of a, a special moment, right? And, and so they did really basic. They had a little promotion on Mother's Day, received a push notification. And the message was basically like, hey, it's not too late. You can still get almost anything on demand. Just hop into the app. And you know, I'd woken up on Mother's Day, read that, thought it was kind of clever, ignored it. But they, they sent an email, explained a little bit, you know, hey, here's a bunch of different gift ideas. And I popped into the app and was able to find something. My mom loves chocolate cake, found a dessert place that would deliver chocolate cake and sent a text to my dad and said, hey, you know, is, is mom going to be home in 45 minutes? Said, yeah, you know, what's going on? But yes. And was able to just order something and get sent to her. And so for me, it was just like this really kind of simple moment where the value proposition for something where it was just this absolute moment of convenience that mobile facilitates. My phone's in my pocket, didn't have anything planned, and it let me be so spontaneous and, and deliver this really amazing moment to, to my mother that I hadn't otherwise planned to do. Well, and I love the idea that it was chocolate cake. It wasn't flowers. It wasn't kind of the standard stuff. It gave you an opportunity to do something a little bit outside the box too. Yeah, and, and it was kind of fun. And then, you know, she takes a picture, sends it over to me. So it, I think that's a lot of what mobile can do is it, it's just having the context. It's having the convenience. You, you don't need to be there in person necessarily. You can, you know, and this, I think this comes up in a lot of ways. It's just that ability to, to go do something. And that can be because you have a mapping app that's helping you find something. It can be hopping into Yelp to look for a recommendation or using Postmates or Lyft to, to get to where you need to go. I know Braze works with a lot of really well-known brands. And as a consumer, you see what brands are doing on mobile. Is there one thing or a couple of things, honestly, that you wish brands would do more of on mobile? It's, it's a good question. I, I think overall, I'm just I'm excited how much investment there's there's been in mobile. And for me, it, it's really straightforward. It's just focus on the fundamentals of, of a good customer experience. It doesn't need to be gimmicky. It doesn't need to be over the top. You don't need to overuse humor in what you're doing. I think a lot of people feel like, you know, I'm sending a push notification. I don't have that much space. So I need to say something really kind of funny or clever, like it's Twitter, or people are not going to resonate with people. And I think you you don't need to do that if that's not your brand or if that doesn't relate to your product. So just focusing on the fundamentals of who your customers are, who your brand is, how you can make a great experience. I think when you do that, it all kind of just dovetails nicely 
and it's something that's really rewarding and adds value to your customers entire experience and then hopefully to kind of their broader life. Well, when you mentioned, you know, being kind of true and authentic to your brand, my immediate thought, maybe it's because we were talking about Burger King earlier, was Wendy's and kind of what they do on social, right? They have this really specific brand voice on social media. And I've seen other brands try and copy it and it doesn't come across in the same way because that's not who their brand is. And so I think it's super important to your point earlier that in everything that you do, you kind of remain true to who you are, the tone that people expect from you and kind of the content and as well as relationship that they believe that they have with you and your brand. Yeah, that's something we did at Braze uh, this last year. We worked with Forrester to build this brand humanity index. And one of the things that the survey looked for was what are the qualities in a brand that, that make it actually feel like a human experience and not this kind of artificial voice? And, and one of the things was that it, people are looking for kind of a, a genuine, authentic connection. And humor or trying to mimic a, a voice that doesn't really work for you was something that the survey found actively made people feel like your brand was, was less human and more artificial. So yeah, I think there's... There's not just that sense that we have as consumers, but some of the data that we've seen actually helps back up and and support these kinds of ideas. And I think that's even more important when you think about how personal the mobile device is to so many of us as consumers. I feel like myself, I'm a little like more forgiving if I get a message from you via email, you know, on my and I look at it on my desktop from work and it doesn't feel like it's your brand. But on my mobile device, if you send me a push notification or a text and it feels off brand, that almost feels like a violation of like this precious, you know, relationship I've given you to exist on my mobile device. Right. There's all these studies that are kind of scary on how many people have their phone within 10 feet of them at all times or when they're sleeping because you're using it as your alarm, listening to music before bed. And it's with you all the time. It's in your pocket. It's in your purse. It's on your nightstand. And I think with that territory and that proximity to you comes the sort of feeling that you've invited this brand into your world. And there needs to be a certain level of respect that go along with that. No, I completely agree. We've talked about some brands that have done some really great campaigns. So can you tell me a little bit about how you think brands should measure success for mobile? What does that look like? Yeah, I- I think that, you know, like we've spoken about mobile, thinking about mobile as just a channel is becoming a fairly narrow point of view that I think limits what you do uh, over, over time and kind of how it can start to influence your strategy in a, in a broader sense. But at, at the same time, you know, for all the marketing managers out there, you have your boss or your CMO or, or someone asking you for, for metrics that, are, that show the time that we're spending building out push notifications or email campaigns or have just invested in the app, you need to be able to, to show that ROI. For, for me, I look at it in sort of two simple business models. You're either trying to get screen time, so have people spend more time, and that could be to look at ads just to build brand recognition. That's one model. The second is you're just trying to get people to buy something. So the Burger King, the Postmates of the world, you're trying to convince someone to come in and use the app to make a purchase. So I, th- I think that's in a simplest sense, the easiest way to look at it is, are you trying to get sessions and, and time and app? Or are you trying to track towards some conversion 
and the metrics that exist around that that are that are more typical of the e-com world. So, you know, average order value, cart size, things like that. Do you often find that a lot of brands that you talk to aren't really measuring any of those things and they're still thinking about app downloads or, you know, email open rates on mobile, like some really basic numbers and not diving in to the real meat of it that's showing you the true health of what you're doing? When you spoke to people or if you read TechCrunch about some new app, that would always be the metric that you hear about. But, but I think it, it's too expensive to do that over a long period of time. And as Facebook and Twitter, as acquisition channels have got more saturated, and some of the big apps have reached a scale where you see diminishing returns so quickly in terms of advertising, installs just don't get you very far. And eventually, you need to pivot and start to think about engagement. And I think in, in mobile, we've, we've kind of gotten over the hump on that. In email, I still hear all the time, it's, it's all about your audience. It's about your list size. Doesn't matter how old the list is, how healthy it is, just email as many people as possible. And, and oftentimes that's coming. As often as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's coming from the C-suite. And for even if you're a VP, it can be a, a really hard battle to fight. So I think there's still some maturity that is coming, even though it's an older channel, into the email space. And as inboxes, especially Gmail, get smarter about that, you know, they're starting to punish bad senders faster and more harshly. So talk to me a little bit about a mobile experience that you think went really right and what was so unique about it. I've actually recently been spending more time focusing on missed opportunities in mobile than the really good examples because I think the really the great ones are sort of easy. And when you see it, it feels right. It's it's personal. You can tell it's targeted at you. The timing is great. It's sort of creative. It matches the brand voice. What I found is, is really hard is there's a big middle ground where the messaging is okay. Maybe it's a little bit clever. There's a little bit of targeting, but you can't really tell. And the timing and the cadence is, you know, it's just fine. And you have to look at the, a lot of those and you have to spend time with some of the bad examples to start to see where brands can can really get it wrong or get it just wrong enough that to your point on this very personal channel it doesn't it just doesn't work so you mentioned missed opportunities i'd love to pick your brain on any of the ones that you wish that like this brand could have done a better job or i really wish they would have done x differently and it would have completely changed how i felt about you know, this campaign they were running or this message they sent me? Are there any examples like that you want to talk about? Yeah, we have. It's kind of a funny example that we, so at, at Braze, we have, we have a Slack channel where we just share examples of experiences that people get from our customers, from non-customers, from all, all kinds of brands. And one of them was from Macy's and they'd sent a push notification that was, the, I forget the exact text, but it was something along the lines of like, hey, app shopper, Here's uh, save ten percent on shoes this week and get a free iPhone case when you make a purchase. And when you start to dissect that, the first thing that strikes you is, all right, I'm signed into this app. You know my name, but it's like, hey, app shopper. And you think about that and imagine yourself. You know, I'm in New York, so down the street from us in, in Herald Squares, big Macy's. 
walking into that and just having someone greet you like, hey, department store shopper, you immediately react. Like, it seems so artificial. It seems almost robotic. Like, you, you know, you can, can imagine this happening and it just doesn't work. But in a push notification, I'm sure that got, got approved without any trouble. And then there's also a promotion that's connecting is shoes and iPhone cases. Like how, how does that go together? Like how is that relevant for me? And so there's just all these pieces when you started to look at it, start to really break down. And you know, the opposite end of that spectrum is you're going to have a good experience from a company that you know focuses on personalization, something like a Netflix, where they might use your name, they're going to talk about shows that you watch, seasons that you might be interested in. And I think for, for a company like Macy's in this example, it's like, well, if you don't have my name, don't just reference me based on channel or the, the forum that I'm shopping in and make sure that the offer is actually relevant to me. Otherwise, it just kind of cheapens the whole brand experience because it, it seems like they're focused more on the promotion than on me as a shopper and engaging me as a customer. Well, and what's weird about it when you mention it, obviously, I heard the app shopper, but I think I was like more disturbed by the shoes and iPhone case <laughs> correlation than anything else. As a girl who loves shoes, I was like, yay for the discount. But then I was like, why would I buy an iPhone case at Macy's? Like, that's not even what I know Macy's for. Right. So it's kind of like, it's like this weird, not only does it not make sense together, but it also doesn't seem to make sense as an offer for their brand. Yeah, I completely agree. I was genuinely trying to figure this out for, for several weeks and I couldn't see the connection. And I mentioned it to someone else and they sort of offhand said, well, they know you have a phone because they sent you a push notification. So you probably want a phone case, right? And I was like, oh, that's so scary, but probably exactly what happened. You know what, though? Now that you say that, I'm like, and they probably knew you had an iPhone because they knew the app that you had on your phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It actually is kind of like targeted, but also weird at the same time. It's point. kind of the lowest common denominator of we, we're sending you a notification. We know you have a phone. We know the type of phone, but that's all we're going to, that's all we're going to use. And it's an example of where personalization can go wrong. And I think as we start to look at some of the traps for, for folks in mobile, there's been a lot written. The New York Times recently had an article about how apps can track location and share that with other third parties and, and things like that. And, and people just don't really have a strong sense of the type of data that's being collected. So if you're using that information in a way that's, I think it's not even about a kind of a creepiness factor. It's just a way that makes you feel like the brand doesn't know you. You're going to start to lose points with that, that customer. And, and again, feel it's going to feel like a less human experience. It's funny that you mentioned that because I always talk about this, like there's a thin line between creepy and cool. I love when brands have a ton of data data on me and they use that in a really cool way, whether to provide me a more personalized experience, provide me with a unique experience that I can't get somewhere else. But then there's like that creep factor when like they don't use it for any of those things and they either use it for negative purposes or, you know, share it with third parties and I have like kind of no idea where any of my information goes. And so I always, you know, try and tell people if you're going to collect a ton of data on consumers specifically tied to their mobile behavior, like take advantage of it. You have it. Use it for the good because most people, if you provide them with like helpful, relevant, you know, messaging, mobile experiences and so forth, they're going to be really appreciative of it. They're not going to be upset that they gave you this information. 
Right, and th there's a lot of good examples of this where in a lot of music streaming apps, uh, I think the iHeartRadio app does a good job of this. They'll ask you right straight up for your preferences when you start using the app. I mean, what kind of music do you like to listen to? What artists do you like? And then use that to build a more curated listening experience for you. And you know, Spotify does a really good job of this, building playlists for you. And in those types of cases, you're happy to give them information because they're creating a product for you. I think, like you said, it's those cases where it's, you know it's, they have it, like that the app shopper, I know you have my name, just use it. Or if you're not going to use it, don't try to refer to me at all. Just let me know what the promotion is or provide some other piece of helpful information. One of the reasons why I enjoy talking to Spencer is his lengthy mobile experience. It may seem surprising, but it's actually hard to find marketers with almost a decade of mobile experience. Personally, I love talking to these types of individuals because they've really seen it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly of mobile. They've seen mobile evolve from the last 10 years where we are all still trying to figure it out to now where it's really the linchpin of our marketing efforts. Now, let's get to my favorite part of the show, where we take the education and apply it to your business. There's so many great insights from my conversation with Spencer that can really help transform how you think about mobile marketing. Let's dive into my top three takeaways. First, the best mobile campaigns are often the ones that do something unexpected. Let's take a look at Burger King. They ran a promotion in December where they drove app downloads by offering anyone with the Burger King app the ability to order a Whopper for a penny. If they happen to be within 600 feet of McDonald's. In its simplest form, Burger King basically did an app download campaign where they ran a promotion to drive app downloads. That's the same type of promotion that tons of other brands run on a regular basis. But the reason why it was so effective at driving downloads and generating a ton of viral buzz was because they tied it to McDonald's. How many times do you see brands tie one of their promotions to their biggest competitor? Personally, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. They decided to troll McDonald's with this campaign and it's likely why they drove more than a million app downloads in a short period of time briefly hit the number one spot on iTunes, and garnered a ton of press from places like Mobile Marketer, Adweek, AdAge, CNN, and more. And Spencer also spoke about his Postmates campaign example and how it drove him to order a chocolate cake for his mom on Mother's Day. As a mom, I would love a chocolate cake for Mother's Day. It sounds like a good idea to me. Now, that campaign didn't go viral like Burger King, but it still offered a unique perspective on something to get your mom for Mother's Day. Everyone thinks about the traditional flowers or fruit baskets, but how often do you get to actually send a chocolate cake to your mom the same day? The uniqueness of what he could send to his mom is what prompted him to take action and actually make that purchase. It stood out to him because he wasn't used to seeing something like that before. Now, what can we learn from these two examples? I think the biggest idea is don't over-engineer your mobile campaigns. As marketers, sometimes we get so fired up about a campaign idea and creating this really amazing experience that we overlook some of the most basic ideas that can actually be the most compelling. Burger King's decision to offer Whoppers for a penny wasn't novel. It was a way to generate app downloads, and it's not something new. A ton of restaurant brands do that very same thing every day. What made it stood out was the how they did it. They took a simple idea and implemented it in a way that we hadn't seen other brands do before. The same concept applies to Postmates. Tons of brands offer promotions for Mother's Day, but how many of them enable you to send your mom a chocolate cake that same day? So when you're thinking about your next mobile campaign, perhaps you should go back to the basics. Think about some of the types of promotions or initiatives that you know worked for your brand in the past and find a creative way to utilize them that you haven't done before and you haven't seen anyone else do. 
This is going to allow you to bring together a method you know that drives results with a creative way to implement it that really stands out. Next, now I know I've said this before, and I'll probably say it a couple more times again this year, but I'm really, really hoping that 2019 is the year when we stop thinking about mobile as a channel and start realizing that it's really the linchpin of everything that we do from a marketing perspective today, because it's how content is consumed. We cannot keep thinking about mobile as a separate channel or initiative that exists in our overall strategy and it's owned by one person or a small group of people in our organization. Instead, everyone in marketing needs to consider themselves a mobile marketer because chances are what you're doing is consumed on a mobile device at some point. Now that begs the question of whether or not we actually need a mobile marketing expert in our organization to spearhead our mobile strategy, or if we actually need to get to a place where everyone on our marketing team is an expert about how to connect with consumers and drive results on mobile. I know for me, I'd advocate that in today's world, we all need to be mobile experts. Finally, I cannot, and I repeat, cannot stress the importance of authenticity and personalization in mobile messaging. Think about it for a minute. As consumers, we often treat our mobile phones as an extension of ourselves. They're rarely more than a few feet away from us at any time, and it's the one thing we constantly check multiple times a day, and perhaps sometimes a few times an hour if you're me. And we know that 97% of text messages are read within the first three minutes. So if you're sending someone a text from a brand, they're going to see that pretty quickly for the most part. And they're going to have an immediate reaction to reading it. And what you want them to feel when they read that message is that it's authentic for your brand and it's personalized to what you know about them. It needs to be relevant. And that same thing applies for push notifications. If you've been collecting information about people through the text opt-in process or through your native app, then you need to utilize that information in your communications. Don't make the mistake like Macy's did and refer to everyone as app shoppers when you clearly know their name. Worst case scenario, if you don't know their name, don't include any name in your messaging. Just leave it out altogether. I find that approach to be a lot more appealing than coming up with a generic name to call them. And make sure whatever messages you're sending out sound authentic for your brand. Think of it as a conversation you're having with the consumer. If it's super clever or funny and it's not representative of your normal brand voice, then don't do it. Now, here's my mobile marketing challenge for the week. Block out an hour of your time to look at the text messages and push notifications that you've sent out to your consumers over the past few months. Then evaluate them for authenticity and personalization. Does each of your messages sound like your brand? And I mean really sound like your brand? Have you incorporated some aspect of personalization in a majority of the messages? And that could be something as simple as name or segmenting who gets what message based on product interest. If the answer to either one of these questions is no or not really, then it's time to develop a plan to quickly implement authenticity and personalization in your mobile messaging program. And by quick, I'm talking like this week or next, people. When you see the immediate results from making this change, you'll understand why I believe this is so important for your business. I'm Stephanie Cox, and you've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until then, be sure to visit Limivate.com and subscribe to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile.